know who Ian Wright is. I've spoken to a few people today, and they've all told me because of this morning what football team they support. Um, but Ian Wright was an, is an, was an Arsenal footballer. He's now a pundit on the TV. And when he became a football, uh, professional, uh, there's a video actually, there was a program I watched not long ago, and he was, he, it's, a, it's a video of when he first uh, became a professional, and he's standing in a, uh, in a stadium, in the, sort of in the stands, and he's looking out at the pitch. And then someone comes up behind, behind him and says, Mr. Wright, or... Ian, and he turns around, and his face drops, and he's like, Mr. Picton, you're alive. Somebody told me that you died. And Ian Wright, this footballer, grabs hold of this man and cries in his arms. And he said, in an interview afterwards, he said, Mr. Picton was the first male role model that he had in his life, that guided him in his life, that encouraged him in his life. And away from the difficulties that his upbringing had brought him. Mr. Picton was one of the most important relationships in his life. I'm sure if you just think about it now, you can all think of the most important relationships in your life right now. Or you can think of some that have, uh, down the years, key people, key relationships that you've had and have helped you shape your life. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your parents, your children, your teacher. But whoever it is, I'm sure you'll agree with me, that relationships are one of the most important things that we have in this life. Relationships. You see, God gives us this longing, this longing to want to be loved by others. And also, actually, a longing to love others as well. You see, he gives us a longing to have relationships. Do you know the letter of John, 1 John, is all about relationships. Our relationships with each other, but more importantly, about our relationship with God. And actually, when we get this right, it changes everything. It changes everything for us. And it affects our relationships with each other when we're right with him. If you've got your Bible, do open it to 1 John. It's going to be helpful for you. But if you've, let's flick uh, to chapter 5 again and remind ourselves, we looked at it briefly this morning, remind ourselves of why John is writing this letter. Chapter 5, verse 13. He says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm writing, the, I'm writing to those people who have a relationship with Jesus. I'm writing to those people who trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage them so that they know that they have an eternal relationship with Jesus. That is never going to end. You can be sure of your salvation in Jesus. You can be secure in your salvation in Jesus. Knowing your relationship with him will not end. So that's what we're going to think about this evening. We're going to think about our relationship with Jesus. But just think about to this morning, just a little bit, okay? 
And we saw that John also tells us the sort of three key Three key marks of a Christian. So there was the true teaching, do you remember? Listening to the truth about God or listening to the truth about Jesus. In a world that throws lies at us, we've got the truth and we've got to depend upon it. We've got to live in it. And then we live it out. Remember, true living. How we live it according to what God says. According to the truth. What are we going to do with it? And then he says, you're marked by true Loving. It's an evidence that how you love one another, love the brothers and sisters of Christ, in Christ, how uh, you walk with them. It shows that you're actually depending upon the truth and living in the truth of God's word. And we saw that, John, uh, that we can listen to John and we should listen to John because he was with Jesus, he knew Jesus. And so we know that this is the true teaching from, from him. And actually, John has this desire. Desire, same as, was it Luke? A desire. He has the same desire for us that you have for the young people. He wants us to know the joy of what it is to walk with Jesus for all eternity. To have full joy in the good times when it's hard as well. To have a joy with him. But actually, you know, the teaching that he gives, the teaching that we look at, is actually, it's not from John. The message that he's given us is from Jesus. It's an awesome truth. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 5. It says this. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. This message is from Jesus for us tonight. But before we think about us, we need to firstly understand a little bit about who God is. And so, Jesus, in his teaching, has revealed it to who he is. And John, in his letter, reveals a little bit about who God is. And as we think about our relationship to God, we're going to ask a few questions as we go along the way. So this is our first question this, this evening. It's, I suppose it's two and one, and it'll come up on the screen. Who is God and who are we? Who is God and who, is, who are we? Now, when you, today we've had a beautiful day, haven't we? We've seen that big yellow thing in the sky. I don't know, what is it? <laughs> the sun, yeah. What do you think of when you think of the sun? Or when you look at the sun, you're blinded. But, do you know, you think it's an awesome, pure light, don't you? It's like perfect, this unbelievable, powerful light. Pure light. But actually, the sun is not pure light. Did you know that? It has these things called sunspots or black spots, which are kilometers wide of kilometers wide of darkness, regions of darkness within the sun. So the scientists tell us anyway. I can't see. Right? But basically, the sun is not completely light. But this is not the case with God. You see, look at verse 5 again. Let's read it again. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. You see, we have this very big and simple image of God in this verse that God is light. He has no darkness in him. 
But what does it mean that God is light with no darkness? You see, God being light, it means that he is all goodness. He has pure love, complete kindness, completely gracious and just. Another way of saying that God is light is that you would say God is perfect. And there is no fault found in him. There is no sin found in him at all. This is who God is. This is his nature. He cannot do what isn't right. He cannot do what isn't right. And actually, darkness is the opposite of him. The opposite of this. You see, God is all of the good. He is none of the bad. And, you know, often... I mean, we think, we might think like this and we hear people talking like this and we think that actually, oh, yeah, God is good, but, oh, man, he's a bit harsh here or, or he's, not, he's not that nice here. Or, and we have this image that God, yeah, we might think he's perfect, but we don't always agree with him, so he must be, must have something not right with him. But the problem with that is, if God is like that, he is not God. He is completely good. You see, God is light. And for us as Christians, followers of Jesus, we need to consider who our God is. Because what we see in verse 6 is somebody who says they're a follower of Jesus. Let's read it together. Are you ready? It says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You see, this is someone who says they're a follower of Jesus but loves the darkness, loves the things that are not of God. And we're not living by the true teachings of Jesus. We're not truly living. We're living a lie. And we're still living for our heart's desires. I don't know if you've ever thought about what your heart's desire is really like. But Jesus tells us. So flick with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 7. And Jesus gives us a glimpse of what we are like. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, this is Jesus speaking, out of, Jesus, um, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, Lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. You see, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say our hearts are like? He says, your hearts are evil. They're a mess. They're a mess. And because of that, we're in a dire situation. I want you to flick with me to uh, Ephesians that we read before. 
So flick to Ephesians, it's page 1173. Look at the mess that our hearts put us in. Chapter 2, Ephesians, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also once lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Because of the way that your heart is, he says, you are dead. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. You can't get worse than that, can you? And so, it does, it doesn't make sense, sorry, to say that you're a follower of Jesus and to still live for your heart's desire, to still live as if you're dead, to live as if you're separated from God. It doesn't make sense. You're living a lie. If you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you're still living for the desires of your heart, you are living a lie. Still living as if you are dead. And the word he uses is walking in this way. It's not just a one-off thing that you might slip up with. It's a way that you're living your life for the desires of your heart. You see, the way you are walking, the pattern that you're living he doesn't belong to Jesus. You see, and this goes actually for those of us who have never asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible is very clear. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. And once you are dead, you cannot, cannot bring yourself to life again. You see, God is light and there is no darkness in him. And Christians who say that they are following but are holding on to their sinful desires are not truly following the Lord Jesus. So our second question is this then. So what can we do about it? The frustration of our sin, the way that we are, what can we do about it? Do you know, high school and uni um, can be tough places Workplace, the tough places to live as a Christian nowadays, aren't they not? Nightmare. That's another reason why you need to pray for young people growing up in this, in this society. Because actually, your school will tell you, or your university lecturer might tell you, believe in your own truth. Whatever, whatever you believe, whatever you feel, that's okay. That's the right thing. You believe what you want to believe. I don't know, you might have seen a video this week of a, a young boy. He got into trouble, actually, because he filmed the teacher when he was having a conversation. But this boy had been thrown out of his class because he just said, there's two genders. And the teacher threw him out of the classroom. And he got himself into trouble. And he said, why? he was basically asking, why can I not believe this? And the teacher says, because this is not what we teach. This is not it. You see, the culture won't see truth as black and white anymore. 
Everything is gray. And there's no real truth or absolute truth. But the Bible says differently. Jesus says differently. He says that we are followers of Jesus and so we keep looking to the truth. His true teaching. And the truth will change everything when we do that, he says. Look at verse 7 of 1 John with me. Flip back there. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. What is Jesus' relationship with his father? What's it marked by? It's marked by obedience, isn't it? Marked by obedience to his father. That's what his relationship's marked by. And that's what it is to walk in the light. With obedience to the truth of God's word. It's as simple as that. Ah, but Carl, it's hard. I mean, I, I can't cope with the weight of, of, of being someone who has to go out and, and shout and, about Jesus. But, and then I might get thrown out of my class or I might, get, I might get suspended from a workplace. Listen, it starts with simple, small obediences. I would ask you today, have you met with Jesus? I don't mean, have you come here? Have you met with Jesus? Have you spent time with Jesus? Have you rejoiced in him today? Have you listened to him today? Have you considered what his word is saying to you today? Are you willing to live out small obediences for him? Being faithful to his word. Because if we're walking in small obediences, then we are walking in the light as he is in the light. You see, true Christian living responds in obedience to God's word. And when we live or walk in this way, our relationships are transformed. We have that true loving. But it's funny because you'd expect him to say here, oh, walk in the light as he is in the light, and then you will have this great relationship with God. But he doesn't, what did he say? He says, do it. Yes, you will have a great relationship with God, but actually your fellowship with others, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will have fellowship with them. You will be a family with them. You will love them the way Christ loves them. So we listen to the truth of God's work and we walk in the light through obedience to him and this enables us to love one another. Have you ever looked around the room and thought, wow, everyone's quite different to me, but... I can, I can love them because of Jesus. But what if I'm not getting on with my Christian mate? What if I'm not getting on with my Christian brother or sister? I would encourage you to think about it. Because maybe you or both of you may not be walking in the light. May not be walking in a right relationship with God. Maybe you both need to search your hearts before God in repentance and what I would say is don't let, don't go to bed on your anger. Try and work out and restore a relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, a right relationship with God naturally leads to true relationships with one another. And this is why the church is awesome. 
young people, you might have in your head sometimes, oh, church is just boring. The church is a, an amazing place because there's no other place like it. First of all, because Christ is the head of it and Christ died for his church. But also because you get to, to know and love people that you would never get to know and love. Be brothers and sisters with them. Join my church. We have, there's, there's these two guys. And one of them is 25 from Iran. He's been here for about four years. And he uh, recently baptized, which was an amazing day. And do you know who his best mate is? Yeah. An 80-year-old man. <laughs> An 80-year-old man. And this older brother has loved him, encouraged him, supported him. And they love each other as brothers in Christ. Totally different backgrounds. Totally different generations. It's only, the, only Jesus that can do that. You see, young people can have great fellowship with older people. Someone from Edinburgh can have a great relationship with someone from Glasgow. Who'd have thought? <laughs> from the dark side. How are we joking? <laughs> But listen, all of this is only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. You know, as you sit there, and you may be like me, but I keep failing. I keep walking away from the light of God's true word, and I'm frustrated. Should I just keep trying harder? Should I try harder? Look at verse 7 again. Let's read it again together. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We must remember that actually we, we are not able to follow the truth by ourselves. We must remember what we read in Ephesians, that we're dead in our sin and we cannot make ourselves alive again. We must remember that we were once dead, except for Jesus. Flip back to me to back to Ephesians again, and I want to read the rest of that chapter, uh, rest of the um, passage that we looked at. Verse four. See, it's a little bit different in this version because it says, "But because of His great love for us, God." In another version, the ESV version, it says. But God. So it says, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. There's nothing you can do about that. But God. But God steps into the picture. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So at the point where we're dead and we're hopeless and we're actually his enemies, he then goes to the cross through his son and takes the punishment for us at that point when you're his enemy he dies for you and it is by grace that you have been saved and God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace and expressed in his kindness 
to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but because of Christ, because of his shed blood upon the cross, we are not still there. We are alive, and it is the truth that we are alive. We're alive in Christ, and so we need to live as if we're alive, live as Christians. John says the blood of Jesus purifies us or cleanses us from all sin. And the word purify here, right, it doesn't actually, it's not talking about something that he's going to do in the future. It's actually a present thing. He purifies us of sin now. Our past sin, all of it is wiped clean. The sin that we still fall into today, that's been dealt with. The future has been dealt with. We are alive in Christ. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross paid the price for all your sin, past, present, and future. I hope you're saying amen in your heart. You see, and because of what Jesus has done for us, we can come to him every day, even in the frustration of our failure still, and we can say, cleanse me and purify me. Not because he hasn't done it. Why? Because we're now in relationship with him. We're in relationship with him. And because of Jesus, we are now alive and we can walk in the light. We're able to walk in the light through the work of his Holy Spirit in us. You see, because of Jesus, we can have a true relationship with him. And we can have true relationship with his people. What can you do about it? Nothing, but Jesus does it all. Final question is this though. You might be sitting there and thinking, but am I, am I, am I that bad that I need saving? Look at verse eight with me. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, verse eight puts it very clear. We are all sinners. We've all rejected God as our Lord and King. And we fall into sin still as his followers. And we may think that actually, wait there, Am I that bad? Am I as bad as some of them? Some of those others? But we are too bad for God. We are too bad for God. Darkness or sin cannot be with him, in him or with him. You see, if you say that you have no sin, you are making your own truth. I'll say truth. Because you're making a lie. You see, and this is a very dangerous place to be in. Because when you live that way, you will stay dead. You'll stay dead in your sin 
and you will be apart from him for all eternity, which is a very dangerous place to be. You see, I think we all want to win in this life, don't we? We all want to live this life. Well, first, you need to know. You need to know that you are a sinner, friend. And you need to know that you have no hope outside of Christ. No hope outside of the cross. And you will be dead in your sins. But, verse 9. But, let me read it again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if you can see who you are before God and you truly confess him, confess your sins and confess him as Lord of all and make him Lord of your life, he will forgive you. Because he always does what is right. And Jesus is enough to say that it is right. The price that he has paid is enough to cleanse you from all of your sin. Past, present and future. For all eternity, not just in this life. For all eternity. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the hope for the unbeliever and the believer. This is the hope. You see, God is faithful and just. He is fair and he will do what he is right. And he will do what he says in his word. He will forgive you of your sin. You see, with the cross and true repentance, Christ takes your punishment and you will know forgiveness and you will be completely cleansed of your sin. But without the cross... Without Christ and without true repentance, you will rightfully face your judge and you will pay the punishment, the price for your own sin. If you want to live without Christ, he will give you what you want, but it will be an eternity without him. You see, sin is present in all of our lives, but the truth of the gospel enables us to have eternal relationship with him. And then look at verse 10. It's almost like a little final challenge. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. You see, if we deny the truth of who we are before God, you deny the word of God. If we refuse to deal with the sin in our lives, then Jesus is not in us. And we're still living in darkness. We're still in death. You may think, friend, that you are quite a cool person. Listen to this one guy that put it like this. He says, no one has ever been kept out of God's kingdom for confessing how bad they are. But many have been kept are being kept out of God's kingdom because of their so-called goodness. You see, be careful in thinking 
you're good enough for God. You see, Jesus came to save you from sin and death. That's how bad you are. But God himself came to die upon the cross to save you. But that's how much he loves you. That he would take the punishment for your sin. If you would only repent and believe on him. You see, we walk in the light because we want to listen to his true teaching and respond in true teaching because we're alive. Because he saved us from darkness and death. And we must reflect what we are right now. We're alive. Believe it. You're alive in Christ. Do you believe it? Let's live as if we're alive. And let others see that we're alive in how we love each other and care for each other and make him known. You see, we, li we listen and we follow and we're in fellowship with him and we're in fellowship with his people. Living in the, in the light is the true way of living. The true way of living. You see, who is God and who are we? God is light and there is no darkness in him. We are followers of Jesus and yet we do still get it wrong. So what can we do about it? We go to the truth. We go to the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. And we live in relationship with him. And through small obediences, we remember that we are alive in Christ. And you know when you're alive in Christ, you get all the blessings of Christ. It's exciting, isn't it? And we enjoy true fellowship with each other as brothers and sisters in Jesus. You might say, am I that bad? Do I need saving? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And we're still dead. You'll still be dead in your trespasses and sins. But Jesus died to save you. To save you from sin and death. And to bring you into eternal life with him. This is the true teaching of the Bible. This is the gospel. This is a message from Jesus that he told his disciples to go and declare to the world. I want to finish by reading from chapter 2, the first couple of verses. Listen to this, what John says. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's working on our behalf. So in your frustration and sin, see what Jesus is doing for you. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. What has been through on the cross is enough to pay the price for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is our Savior. Because of him, you are alive. Let's start living as if we're alive for Jesus. Let's pray.